With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is good, everybody? I'm Rob Stats Guerrera alongside Jordan Elliott. This is the Gold Standard Draft Reaction Podcast. Jordan, the 2023 draft is in the books, and I don't know about you, but I feel like it ended better than it started for the 49ers because I feel like after day two, people were mad, and now after day three, I feel like people have calmed down a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of that has to do just with the equity that the 49ers front office has with those day three picks where it's like they've hit so consistently um, that they just have the benefit of the doubt. I feel like where, you know, obviously, I think the biggest takeaway from day two was the whole kicker thing. So just the fact that they're taking more premium positions, I think, also factored into why people aren't as uh, outraged today as they might have been last night. Oh, man, it was uh, some swift reaction coming from 49ers fans. Um, Okay, so we've talked about day two a little bit. So we'll start with the focus on day three. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the picks that the 49ers have made. How would you grade just today's draft for the 49ers? So I'll be honest, I don't I'm not a big fan of doing draft grades because I, none of us really know how it's going to pan out. So I like to like grade the process more so than the picks, if that makes sense. So sure. in terms of grading the process, I think that they got two premium positions right away with a corner and an edge rusher, um, an edge rusher from a very talented school who has great athletic traits where it's a situation where you don't get too caught up in the production, I think, because there were so many talented players on that Georgia front. 
Um, and then they got a guy in D winners who I think fits exactly what they're looking for. Uh, one of my first, I think it was the first mock I did actually, when I left the combine that same week, um, the, the first thing that stood out to me was the measurable comparison between himself and Dre Greenlaw, a lot of similar measurements between the two, uh, really good in space. He's definitely a guy that fits the mold of what they've looked for with their linebackers. And then, uh, the last couple picks I really like too. uh, Braden Willis is a guy who can do a lot of the same things that Ross Dwelly has done for them, where he is a tight end who can also line up uh, in the backfield, can play H-back. If something happens to Kyle Juszczyk and somebody needs to fill in for a couple games, he can do that. And then Ronnie Bell was another guy where it was like, you know, the measurements didn't really jump off the page. There wasn't this crazy RAS score. But he was just a really solid and dependable wide receiver. And to get a guy like that with one of the last picks in the draft, I thought was really good. So if I'm giving a grade on the process, I'd give it a strong you know, B, B plus based on the approach they took. Uh, but again, it's really hard because we don't really know how it's going to go up, go moving forward. But I do like the direction and the approach that they took here. Yeah. And that's what I've said too. like, I can't pretend like I've sat down, broken down all the film on these guys. Like, no, I haven't. And even if I did, I'm not going to be able to do it better than they will. I did like the Ronnie Bell pick though. Cause I feel like basically what they're saying is, yep. After this year, Jawan Jennings is going to be a free agent. He's going to leave. And if, if, you know, they're correct. Ronnie Bell will slide into that role potentially as a third down receiver, you know, just a cheap guy that they got late in the draft. And hopefully, you know, there's their Juwan Jennings replacement. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where the Niners are in a great spot where they can think a year ahead, two years ahead. You'd like to think every franchise is doing that to an extent, but the Niners really can do that across the board. Like the, you know, they said last night, John Lynch and Kyle Shannon during the press conference they had that you know kicker was the only real position where they felt they needed to get a starter right now so to have that luxury and be able to kind of plan ahead and take a guy um later where you're not pressed into taking a receiver with one of your first three picks or taking a position that you know it it alters the board a little bit and I think they had the luxury this year of just sticking to who they thought was the best player available rather than pressing for need which in the long run can be very valuable and the big kind of theme I took away from today was speed Speed, speed, like they just, especially on defense, man, they just want a bunch of people to just fly around. And even if you do the wrong thing, do it quickly. Um, And, you know, especially, you know, I look at D winners and I think like that's kind of what they were thinking. I think with Greenlaw was, hey, this guy's got some traits. We like the speed and hopefully he turns into something. And obviously they've paid Greenlaw, so he's going to be around for a little while. But I think that's a lot of people were thinking like, oh, D winners, Dre Greenlaw, kind of the same mold there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's one thing that the Niners have really kind of made their mark on when we're talking about the blueprint of how they build this team. Uh, I remember John Schneider, when he was speaking at the Combine, the Seahawks general manager, that was the first thing he mentioned when he was asked about the gap between the 49ers and the Seahawks, which was like, they're fast. Like the the team speed across the board is really where we need to kind of level the playing field a little bit. And, you know, you'd like to think everybody in the NFL is fast, right? But there's levels and layers to this. And the 49ers really have done a good job of carving out that just elite tier of athlete that is going to stand out on a field of elite athletes. So, yeah, I think they've done a really good job over the last – this is the seventh draft now. That's crazy to think about, the seventh draft of this regime. And I think they've done a good job over the years kind of developing a blueprint and sticking to it and having conviction in their own process and not deviating from what has worked for them in the past. 
Are you surprised they didn't go offensive line anywhere in the draft? I mean, I feel like everybody had offensive lines circled as a big need for this team, and all we didn't get a single offensive lineman drafted. I'm surprised they didn't take any. Uh, I don't. I'm not surprised that they didn't take one with uh, the first picks there they had in the third round. Mm-hmm. I do think there is a ton of belief in Colton McKivitz. Uh, those comments that John Lynch had about the fact they were willing to move off McGlinchey last year for, you know, a thinking ahead kind of move would mean that by default, you'd probably assume McKivitz would have been the guy last year if he's the guy this year as well. So I think it just kind of echoes the confidence they have in him. And I also think that offensive line is such a difficult position group to project to the next level, especially when you're talking about tackles. So many of these guys who were great tackles in college end up kicking inside. Plenty of guys who play inside make the transition out. So I think when you're picking at 99, 101, 102 in that range, it's slim pickings, right? Like the options aren't great. There aren't these standout blue chip tackle prospects. So I think that the 49ers got to a point where maybe they didn't feel like one of those guys they'd take would be in any sort of real competition with McKivitz anytime soon. And they took positions where they felt that guys would make an impact sooner. And I think that's really the biggest takeaway I had was, they did a really good job of identifying where their strengths on their roster, but not only just the strength, but where there's a viable path to a player that they might draft getting any kind of playing time anytime soon, because that's one of the consequences of having such a good team, right? Is that when you're making these decisions, you might have to bypass talent knowing that as talented as this rookie might be, they're not going to unseat the incumbent player who's already there on your roster. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I think it was Adam Peters who gave an interview specifically talking about the offensive line where he was basically like, look, the way we kind of do it is we just draft for traits and then we kind of sort of polish them up essentially once they get here. So I'm looking at Jason Poe potentially or Nick Sakel from 2022 and saying, you know, do they have a bigger role in the team this season? And maybe Lynch and Shanahan and company are sort of relying on them to step up and that will be sort of the infusion of youth on the offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, getting a guy like John Feliciano is huge, too, because he has experience playing all over. He can kind of fill that Dan Brunskill. You can slide him on any of the three interior positions if needed. And I I think that they really like what they saw from Spencer Burford. I think that he had some uh, interesting situation with the rotation he kind of had with Daniel Brunskill at the right guard spot. But I think that he did a lot of the things they wanted to see in terms of growth during his rookie year. So when you look at the offensive line, like I feel like right tackle was really the only unknown because we haven't seen too much of McKivitz. But even if you go back to the uh, NFC Championship game from a couple years ago um, when he had to start, like 
I don't think he was the reason that they lost that game. I don't think he was, you know, an area of concern. I thought he looked like a starting right tackle in the NFL. And I think the unfortunate part is, Rob, is when you have a guy as good as Trent Williams, it's like people want there to be five Trent Williams on the line at any <laughs> given time. And that's just not feasible, right? So I think they're in a spot where they know that the left side is anchored by one of the best players to ever play the sport. And it's just a matter of getting guys who can give you league average production at the other four. And I think they have that and then some in those positions currently. Yeah, I, I think of Joe Thomas, I think it was, who said, like, you don't necessarily need four, uh, five studs along the offensive line um, because of the system that Kyle Shanahan has. That He sort of puts you in a good position to be effective because of the angles and you have to take and things like that. Maybe the Niners are going to lean on that a little bit this year. I do think that the Niners first pick got a little overshadowed uh, Jair Brown, the safety, because people were so mad about the kicker and that they kind of just like glossed over the fact that I think the Niners with their safeties are valuing instincts over everything else. Everything I've heard about Brown is that he's almost like a Talanoa Hufanga and that he doesn't necessarily run that fast, but he's a very instinctual player kind of around the ball, right place, right time. And that's kind of an interesting combination when you have both of your safeties potentially being that kind of player. I, I'm wondering what the philosophy is for the Niners there. Yeah, I think it really comes down to them valuing that when you're evaluating safeties, one of the most valuable things you can evaluate is um, the, the ability to understand angles and the timing that comes with taking the proper, proper angle to the ball carrier or to where you need to get into a passing lane. And I think that that's one of the few positions where the athletic testing is great if you have it. Like if you have... a four, three, seven or whatever, that's just a bonus, but it's not a necessity. And I think we've seen that with Hufanga where it's like the guy may not run as fast as some other guys in a straight line, but he's very instinctual. He knows um, when and where to use that burst of speed that he does have. And I think that when you are taking better angles to ball carriers, you're taking better angles to make an impact on a play that's always going to be more valuable because you can get a guy that blows the, you know you out of the water with their athletic testing numbers but if they don't have that understanding of angles and the understanding and just feel for the game those testing numbers don't mean anything if you're running in the wrong direction that 4340 doesn't mean anything right so i think the niners are at a really good spot where they're using that and i would imagine that his in-game speed was pretty impressive too the these teams have so much information that most True. of the common fan media aren't privy to with the GPS tracking now. I'd imagine his GPS tracking was pretty good too because you do need to have some, you know, baseline of speed there. You can't be, you know, lead-footed even if you have great instincts. But I would imagine that his in-game GPS speed was much more uh, indicative of the kind of burst he has compared to, you know, whatever 40 time or 10-yard split or whatever he ran. And I think it's interesting the Niners go from Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart who, you know, uh, were making, didn't allow big plays, but didn't necessarily make game-changing plays, to now potentially two safeties who might not be as sound, might give up some plays necessarily, but also might make game-changing plays, turnover-type plays. It does seem to be kind of a philosophical shift there as well. And I think the 49ers think with their pass rush, you know, they're willing to give up big plays. They gave up a ton of big plays last year. I think they led the league in big plays given up through the passing game. And I think they're willing to say, we'll take some of those hits. If we can get those game-changing plays, that'll be good enough. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the, the – it's got to be the philosophy because they're at a point where 
you are going to have those occasional plays where these teams are having these big explosive plays and these big, but the Niners did such a good job last year of limiting the scoring opportunities that came from those. And a lot of times when teams did get a big play up the field, they'd end up kicking three or they ended up punting deep in 49ers territory. And I think they just know that their defense is so good that if they're able to generate a turnover or two per game, they're going to be really difficult to beat. And I thought that was the biggest difference with the Niners defense compared to years prior was it felt like they were just dominating the turnover battle every single game. And, yeah. you know, a lot of that had to do with them taking more care of the ball on offense as well. But, yeah, I'm, ag- I'm agreeing with you on that for sure. I think that they are prioritizing maybe that the volatility that comes with having a player who has the ball hawking ability while maybe sacrificing a little bit of the technical sound play like you mentioned. Is Braden Willis, what is his role? Is he a tight end on this team? Is he a Kyle Yushek H-back kind of player? What is his role? Because they already drafted, of course, a tight end earlier in Cameron Latu. So this one's really interesting to me because I think that the 49ers are at a spot where George Kittle's obviously a lock to make the roster, right? So that's one spot accounted for. And then you have Ross Dwelly. You have um, Charlie Warner, who are already the veterans um, who have experience in the system. I think... Cameron Latu is a guy who they kind of envision as more of a, you know, tight end two, you know, guy that's going to be a big part of the receiving game as much as he is a willing blocker. When I look at Braden Willis, to me, he kind of falls in with what Ross Dwelly has done, which has been a very reliable depth piece that can really just kind of be the Swiss army knife for you, where he's able to give you snaps as an inline tight end. He's able to give you snaps um, blocking out of the backfield. I thought that Dwelly did a really good job when he kind of had to fill in for Kyle Juszczyk because there's only one Kyle Juszczyk for a reason and doing what he does is not easy. And I think that Braden Willis, the biggest thing that stood out to me was the amount of experience he has as an H-back, doing the things that a fullback's asked to do, doing the things that uh, a very unique player like Kyle Juszczyk is asked to do. He's the closest thing that the 49ers would have to that on their roster. Uh, and as reliable as Dwelly's been, it's a business and Willis is younger and he's cheaper. And I think that really he just gives them an option to having a long term solution to what they've had with Dwelly the last few years, which is just a reliable piece. That's a depth uh, piece in the tight end room who can also serve as that break, uh, break glass in case of emergency fullback, H-back, whatever you want to label Kyle Juszczyk as. Last question. And this is sort of an overarching philosophical question. Because of the Super Bowl window and all the talk we hear about how the Niners are a win-now team and all of that, do you think the 49ers took players that they think will make the most immediate impact because they're in such a win-now mode? Or do you think there are some players here that are going to need some development? Um, I think that they did a good job of kind of straddling the line between both. I think there's definitely a tougher path for some of these guys to making an impact just because of who's ahead of them. But I also think that, I, you know, I thought that a couple of years ago, and you look at a guy like Jamador Lenore, who played a huge role on a team that was almost in the Super Bowl last year, just in year two. So some of these guys, like they may not make the impact as a rookie, but I think that they got guys who will make an impact on their rookie deal, uh, who they feel they that can step in. Like um, the Robert Beal pick, I really like, because he's a guy who I could see maybe not making a huge impact right away, but has the athletic traits that after enough time with Chris Kosarek and Daryl Tapp, even if he's giving them eight, 10 snaps a game with the athletic potential that he has, if he's able to click and just give them a viable piece of uh, that defensive line rotation and take a little percentage of those snaps away from some of the frontline guys, I think that in itself offers a ton of value. So I think it all kind of depends what you expect the value to be. 
but I think they definitely got guys where they feel like this, these are players who can slot into the 53. We're going to have year in and year out while we're in this window of contention for sure. The Eagles didn't get every player from Georgia. Beal 6-3 ran a 4-4 40-yard depth. 4-4-4, I think, 40. Like, that is just insane speed coming off the edge. The Niners haven't really had that since basically D Ford, and he only played 22% of the snaps that year. So it definitely wasn't a consistent thing. Jordan Elliott is with Niners Nation. You wrote the best pre-draft article of any that I read all about the sort of statistical markers that the 49ers generally use at each position. That was my favorite thing. Thank you so much for the time. We appreciate you coming by. Thank you. Anytime. It's an absolute pleasure, Rob. 